0: The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised.
2: The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeardelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the Internet's only General Booty podcast. I am Joel Gasson <laughs> with John Frazier as usual. And yes, we will get to uh, the big wor- news in the world of football this week. And that is, of course, uh, the Oklahoma Sooners landing transfer quarterback out of a uh, junior college in the United States. One, the only, he better be neglisted, listed Mr. General Booty.
1: I don't know if we're the only general booty podcast that discusses that doesn't discuss general booty like booty in general like I feel like there's probably a couple podcasts that discuss booty in general but in terms Mm -hmm. of the best name and dare I say it professional sports faithful listeners if there's a better name than general booty please bring it to my attention because there is to me there is no better name and I am all in I just wish that general booty was a kicker
2: that would like, work. I, that would be great too. Yeah, that would work.
1: Great. Yeah. Right? like I, I enjoy the fact he's a quarterback, and as a play-by-play man, you have to say "booty" about sixty <laughs> times a game with a straight face. <laughs> booty in the gun. Um, I'm just trying to think of that after watching some horrendously bad play-by-play last week that I, I normally don't text you when I'm watching bad play-by-play, but mm. it needed to be done. I, I, I don't it, would like, be, it, it would be,
2: be difficult good. to be like "booty booting down the field." Like I feel oh, like you could so you could good. easily get caught up on that.
1: Booty on the bootleg. Yeah. Booty on the naked bootleg? (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. General booty on the naked boot. It's a seven-yard gain, and first and ten for the Sooners.
2: Yeah. Booty play action.
1: (laughs) I can't.
2: Booty's under center.
1: I know that my play-by-play dreams are now basically officially dead, Mm -hmm. uh, as we discussed a couple episodes ago, but... I almost need to, like, bribe somebody or, like, make it, like, my dying wish to call a game with general booty in it.
0: Mm-hmm. I like, mean, anybody,
1: if you've ever it's... listened to my play-by-play and how mm-hmm. unserious I take myself, I no. feel like I could work in so many, like, booty jokes, you know, little booty shake there to shake the defender, the booty spin. Oh, yeah, it would be... Uh,
2: Booty's on the ground.
1: Booties on the ground. And now, and now I want to maybe research later if there are other podcasts about General Booty. I feel I like mean, it's a I
2: mean, maybe. I, like Let's be realistic here. The guy's transferring in from junior college. This is, I mean, this, it's hard to say. I mean, he could go on to become a professional football player. But to me, if we're going to see him anywhere, this is the guy that just screams that he should be in the fan-controlled football league.
1: I not. was thinking the exact—you <laughs> literally stole the thought out of my head. I was sitting there. I'm like— no, he needs to make the fan-controlled football league so we can just call. So I can just, like, call the booty naked boot every single time.
2: That or he will be in, I think. Doesn't Vince McMahon and WWE have a program with NCAA athletes now to, like, try to help them become wrestlers?
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Because okay, he, okay. then he
2: doesn't, even, he doesn't even need to change his name, though. Vince still might make him so he can copyright it and trademark it on the name because that's what they do. But... They could make in theory, su- he, he could become a professional wrestler and not have to change his name.
1: In theory, yes. Or he could be Sergeant General Booty, Sergeant Slaughter's, like, th- grandson who's back to take on the Iron Sheik. And I know the Iron Sheik is not there anymore, and that probably would never fly in today's day and age. But, man, bring me some old school Sergeant Slaughter. I think I still have, back back in Atacocan, I think I still have, like my Sergeant Slaughter action figure. I know my mom kept, like, all my old WWF wrestlers, and mm. I've been waiting. I haven't been back there for a couple of years now, but we've been waiting to take him out so the kids can play with them. and I feel mm. like this is finally going to be the year. So uh, I know I definitely have Hurricane and Earthquake. Uh, you know, who doesn't love a big fat guy that throws guys around the ring? So, um, <laughs> no, d- yes, General Booty in the WWE would be absolutely fantastic. Or, or do we... I know our good friend Graham has voiced a spot. Even with COVID, mm-hmm. Graham took the time to voice the lettuce update stinger for us. Maybe we just call it the general booty update.
2: I mean, what... maybe. I mean, we'll have to keep track. We like, we'll have to see kind of how the offseason progresses for Oklahoma. And right. if we need, like, a general booty update or boot date or general... Booty update. I don't know. We'll come up with some kind of name
1: for it that's more than just general booty update, I'm sure. The boots on the booty? Yeah. I don't know. We would it's funny, for both of us being very creative guys, ask us to do anything on the spot and we're basically script.
2: No, like I'll fall text you was like two hours after we're done this and I'll have something. Mm. But right now in the moment I'm like, uh you kind of threw this on me, I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the joys of going off on tangents, but no, hundred <laughs> percent we will have the booty update and the Sergio update and this might just become a general booty full-time podcast depending how long this strike goes and like Joel
2: I mean we are experts at now talking about the
1: CFL without any actual games to talk about ho- are we holy
0: not? holy
1: <laughs> shit I would say like like have we had a normal season doing this podcast I
2: think the very first one
1: yeah that was about it yeah, uh probably and, and now we've Maybe the got, second one too I think
2: first and second maybe and then after that
1: yeah and then after that it was covid it was the long off season then covid and then the shortened season and now we got a player strike and i i do feel like though the the cfl labor stuff Mm -hmm. it brings me back warm and fuzzy memories to the last time that there was a cfl labor dispute and you and i were still both you know covering the team yeah And, and i'll never forget fully intended like because because okay peel back the curtains a little bit here usually you go into training camp especially when you're into like the second third week with some kind of idea on a story you're gonna do usually something that you or murray or somebody did a week ago to just kind of give it enough difference so the go-to is always like the last day in Saskatoon fluff piece. <laughs> that you stick a microphone in somebody's front, front of somebody's face and they're like, Saskatoon is great. I love Saskatoon. Wish we we're sure you're here all the time. The fans are great. So, that you know, you kind of look forward to that. And I'll never forget having that Saskatoon fluff piece all riled up and then Ricky Foley went off for 12 minutes in one of the greatest interviews I still think I've ever done. And too bad he's crazy now. But r- regardless... It, I, that's the, this that's why this brings back so many memories this mm-hmm. the cfl labor dispute and again now the fraser curse of having a podcast just keeps screwing with the cfl seasons yeah
2: as uh they're uh, both sides i guess you could say are dragging their booties around a little bit right now that one. more so one side than the other of course we will get into uh basically the only topic of discussion in the cfl right now which is uh <laughs> The labor dispute, the strike, whatever you want to call it, that what's going on, and uh,
1: oh, that her burned. <laughs>
2: we certainly have some thoughts on that. Oh, but as usual, before we get to all of that, oh. uh, John, what just came out of your nose, and what's in your <laughs> glass this week? <laughs>
1: uh, my favorite, my go-to, a little Lucky Bastard vodka, uh, no, a little really bit of that on ice. Both. It's been a bit of a week uh, already, and it's Monday uh so i made sure to pour lemon. some of that
2: what a week hey eh? lemon it's wednesday right <laughs> or the tuesday i might have got the <laughs> meme wrong i don't
1: remember <laughs> i don't I that's that's either way i get to play hockey tomorrow night i'm looking forward to skating but yeah tonight is a start with vodka transition of beer kind of night uh lucky bastard and and i must say that uh especially after the deliciousness of the ukrainian dance fundraiser in lloyd minster i'm very much back in a lucky bastard kick uh, I have a bowl full of lemons upstairs. I got a big old thing of Lucky Bastard, and it, it literally like it burnt. Like that one. Like, try doing a spit take with what's probably Oh God. How do I pour my drinks? <laughs> probably like like you've seen it. It's like three and a half to four shots of vodka is usually what I sip on uh during the episode. And like uh three or four fingers, yeah, probably. Oh, at least. Yeah. I actually I actually have a uh Lacey was wise. One of my stocking stuffers was a cool, it's a skull shaped like shot glass that seals up your 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 bottle. Hmm. But like I start with a double and then I like get doing something like I just got the kids to bed. Then I had a couple sips and I'm like, well, I got to go down to the basement and, and record the podcast. So I put another one in there. And then I got busy doing something else, and now I put another one in there. So I don't know how much vodka is in there, but all I can tell you is when you laugh real hard and it goes up <laughs> your sinuses, it definitely burns. Tastes great, burns in your nose.
2: Probably cleaned anything else that might have been in there, though, at least.
1: It's true, actually. I've been fighting <clears> my <throat> allergies since I went golfing on Sunday. So uh, I feel like suddenly uh, I have some freelance voice work to do, and I feel like it's going to get done after this podcast tonight.
2: Sounds good. Uh for me, uh I picked up a Nicomas mixer pack for the weekend, probably yes. my favorite in all of the province. No offense to any of those around there. Um just all four beers, just so entirely solid uh for me tonight. I just noticed um that the IPA label now says classic India Pale Ale. Interesting. I didn't realize the classic was there before because they do have the modern IPA out as well. Ooh. I guess the color wasn't enough differentiation for Jeff, I guess. I That's fair. Anyway, yeah, so always solid beer. Uh, Needed something a little stronger, a little more bitter tonight for sort of uh, the conversation we were, of course, going to have. Um, Cool little fact about Nicomas, I guess. uh, Jeff is in the middle of sort of redesigning his packaging a little bit. They're going to be printed on cans and uh, going to smaller sort of plastic holders that are apparently going to be biodegradable by the end of the year. So they're trying to cut down on the uh, environmental impact of his business as well, which is always uh, very cool
1: hey no that's a double that's a double kudos uh from us yeah that's a delicious beer and being environmentally friendly and uh they're still staying the thing I love about Nokomis uh is the small cans they're still staying with those they're not going to the tall boys as far as I know yeah
2: yeah I love that you know I I know I've, I've talked about this with Jeff and he he prefers the small cans um he's like I don't know I don't want to drink a 473 of a beer I don't like not to say that he doesn't like his beer, but that's just generally his thought or a beer that he like, totally perfectly in love with. Right. Which is weird because he makes, in my opinion, some of the best beer on the planet. Yes, so absolutely. his beer could be in, like, a 900-milliliter can and I'd still drink it all, no problem.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, but, uh, but, no, you're, yeah. that's, that's fair. I, I still feel like it's, it's nice if and, – and the price point is right if you want to try something new with those guys. Mm-hmm. Right, like there's lots of stuff I look at from all our other favorite breweries, including our sponsors, uh, that you just know is going to be good, but maybe it doesn't fit your palate. Yeah. Right? Like like first time I tried a cat's got the cream, I heard all these good things. It wasn't really my thing. And I'm like, ah, I would have had to spend seventeen dollars on it to try it, right? So uh that's the I like that a lot about Nokomis.
2: Fair enough. Uh no kudos, or at least not a lot of kudos going around right now. Uh, between the CFL and the CFLPA. Yep. As uh, we've discussed here, we are once again here on a football po- podcast talking about how they are not playing football. Hey! hey! And <laughs> um, in a way, I think th- there was kind of a lot of mixed emotions about this. I think if you you know read Between the Lines on some stuff Justin Dunk was saying or not, so Between the Lines on some programming he was on uh, leading up to the week, that you probably, you know, this should have been – You know, we should have seen that this was coming. But I think there's still a lot of people given sort of the history of negotiations and especially these kinds of negotiations and especially the history of this league. You know, we we all, I think, in the back of our minds, many of us thought that there would be sort of an 11th hour, maybe a 14th hour kind of deal that would eventually get done here. And then it all kind of spiraled really quickly when late last week, the league put out their quote-unquote open letter from randy Ambrosi, with uh, that outlined their side of their offer at least and when it first came out i think on the surface a lot of us are like okay there's some stuff in here that makes sense it looks right it looked fairly decent nothing you know that can't be ironed out but then more you kind of thought about it a little more you read into a little bit more and a few more details started coming out and you're like oh yeah because it was basically a take it or leave it offer. the the apparently from a you know numerous people we've seen talking about it that there was no further meetings planned this was it on top of it also it being not a super great offer even you know as much as they tried to dress it up once he kind of did the math and you looked into it a little bit it was like oh no i actually i actually see why the players are like thanks but no thanks
1: see as much as i hate being on twitter some days mm-hmm I love the collective hive mind and how quickly they pick this apart. Like, I think it yeah. was within about like, cause again, when it came out, I was real busy at work that day and you and I briefly chatted about it. And not, you know, in my brief skim, I'm like, no, that looks, that looks pretty good. Got busy, actually did work for about an hour, came back. And I think by that time, uh, guys such as yourself, Jamie Nye, uh, Farhan Lalji had all kind of had a chance to digest it and regurgitate it and quickly you went this is not great and the the thing the thing that drives me the most crazy about all of this and this this just goes through all sports anytime a league goes this is our last offer walk away f you guys double barreled middle finger does that ever work has that worked in the history of any labor stoppage ever it hasn't no it absolutely hasn't so why are you doing it? Why are you trying to do that? Sit, and say this is where we are comfortable going. We need you to come to our side a bit. You talk, you finish it. Like maybe it's because I literally spend most of my adult life negotiating, whether that be with banks to get people approved or with customers over you know prices and interest rates and things like that. Um, It just – it drives me nuts when you see that approach. They, oh, well, it's our last offer. Walk away from the table. No, sit your asses back down and figure this out. I don't think there's anything – this is not you and I were talking off air that you don't need an economic reshaping like the NHL did. no. Where both sides were willing to – that was their hill to die on, and the NHL won out because it was billionaires against millionaires. Like, we're talking –
2: what I do what I always remember about that NHL lockout that like the whole season was lost what always makes me laugh and the owners should have accepted it in like a heartbeat yeah. was when the PA came out and said, "Okay, we will do a um a salary cap that wasn't attached to revenue, 40 million. Done." That was it. <laughs> And the owners are like, no, we need we need cost certainty, and I was like, okay. And now the cap's what, like twice as higher than that now.
1: <laughs> uh, I think they said for next year, even after COVID, it's going to be like eighty five million, I believe. Yeah, that, that that's the thing that always made me laugh. But and everything you read into and let's just let's just get out of here, out ahead of this. You and I are both very pro player in this. Hmm. And the CFL, I am a firm believer of the term numbers never lie. That's I kind of live my life by that. Yeah. But numbers can be manipulated, and when you saw that eighteen point nine million dollar increase, the cap, my eyebrow went up. I went, that's significant. That's good. I like that. And then when you quickly realize that's just covering for the minimum wage increase, yeah, and you're just taking that times nine teams, and then extrapolating that over seven seasons to make it look bigger than it is. It's like a hundred grand a year, which is not insignificant but I think it needs to be more, right? Yeah. I, I, I think, too, the revenue-sharing thing, I, I like, there was a lot of good. I loved, I loved the partially guaranteed contracts. Absolutely. I loved the rules that they were talking about, about being able to take one player and say, for all intents and purposes, this guy's Canadian.
2: I wish they didn't drop down, essentially drop down the ratio to do it, but yeah.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, it's... everyone's
2: going to find that American player to do that, so you're effectively only going to have six Canadian starters. But by sounds of a lot of things, the league might have pushed to try to go even further down with that. So holding it at six, I guess, is kind of a bit of a win. But anyway.
1: Right. And I I love the fact, too, that, that... And I don't care if this just leads to a whole bunch of teams stacking their third quarterback with Canadians, that the Canadians lining up a quarterback are actually going to count because all of a sudden you've got a guy like Nathan Rourke who's just a, like a ratio buster like that is the mm-hmm. ultimate ratio buster if you're if your starting guy can be Canadian right mm-hmm. I think that's going to encourage scouting well, with the whole two quarterbacks allowed on the field
2: now that's a spot you can throw you know a guy like him out there in
1: mm-hmm. a different
2: position even right
1: that's exactly <laughs> it right it allows for so much cool so much flexibility and it's just like There was so much good that came out of that, and then you got into it, and it's like, eh. And then we started talking to some of our sources, and it's like, oh, okay, it got even worse. I know you and I have called for more practice on this podcast. You and I have called for more coaching on this podcast, but – I don't think you need to do that in the form of padded practices.
2: Well, and like, here's the, the, so Farhan Lalji had the tweet a couple days ago about sort of the three sticking points for the CFLPA. And this is kind of what's holding the whole thing up. And one of them is padded practices. And I, I don't think the players are necessarily against padded practices. I think they see the benefit in it. They just want a proof health and safety package to agree to it. Which I think right. is entirely fair because 12 practices, from what I've heard, kind of puts them in line with what the NFL allows throughout the course of a year. Right. And we all know that, you know, the players understand the risk of football and all of them, to a man, every single one of them to a tee, is willing to sacrifice their bodies on game day, which mm-hmm. is understandable and fair. But, right. you know, we're talking about practice sometimes, right? And <laughs> you don't want to have to go through... You know, a grueling week of practice only to not have nothing left of the game, which is not only a health and safety issue, but just a general competitive issue, shall we say. But, you know, the theory is also that there is some benefit to some contact in practice throughout the season. I think I can agree with that, but I think also, yes, the players deserve a better health and safety package with or without the pad of practice, quite frankly.
1: Well well that's it. You, you you can't have players that are scared of blowing up an Achilles and and not being able to work, make a living, get paid no matter whether that's in football or whatever they do, right? Yeah. Uh, I I and I said this to you over text. That I said this almost seems like the CFL's going for more practice, but I feel like there's some compromise in the outdated you only get a few hours per day to be with the team rule, right? That, yeah, that... there was
2: I haven't you know, I don't think the full details of that have been put out there yet, but it seems like there's a little more flexibility in that. where basically, basically, you create like a you're a full time employee in lieu rule around it, where you can schedule, you know, say five hours one day, but the you know other day another day has got to be three hours to make up for it, basically,
1: right? Right, exactly. And it's just because I think you and I talked a lot about about this that that rule, mm-hmm. although good in its design originally, when yes. guys need literally when...
2: work two jobs during the season to make it work yeah
1: exactly like when you were a part-time whatever and you a part-time practiced in the
2: board. morning and you went to work in the afternoons last evening yeah
1: exactly and, and that rule had it had its time then mm-hmm. but like i think now and especially with the cfl one thing i did like because that's been one criticism i think of the pa and the cfl in the past is it tends to be top heavy i mean you look at the league the pa kind of really before this iteration of it and it was like six canadian offensive linemen who let's face it will always benefit from the ratio rules everything like mm-hmm. that you know now you got a guy like adam big hill who although he's been in the league forever and i think might as well be canadian because he is friends with a curler good friends with a curler um he's still american yep well, right
2: solomon L. is still the president isn't he
1: that's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's it. You're led by a couple of American players, and I like seeing the minimum increase because I know that was a bit of a sticking point last time, and that's and not insignificant, right? It's like like
2: the, the the original increase is good. I think it should increase a couple more times throughout the length of the deal, rather than okay, here's a bump to seventy in year one, here's a bump to seventy five at the end. Okay, right?
0: No,
1: no, I I agree, <laughs> and and I think too, you know, I, I think what the CFL and the PA need to look at in terms of that is. You know, seventy seventy five grand out here in the prairies, it's pretty good living, especially for essentially half a year, right? I I, you can make you can make a a decent go of it at that money out here in on the prairies for that kind of dough. You know, that's still not enough anywhere close enough to live comfortably in Montreal, BC, Toronto. So I'm with you. I'd like to see some more increases in that. You know, help the help the new players out because. I think if you don't do that, Mm -hmm. you do legitimately run into, and and you and I have talked about the amount of talent that's out there, and you'll always find players that are willing to play. Yeah, I think the last thing you want to do is make it easier for guys to go to the XFL.
2: Yeah, And and I think that's, you know, and this is sort of the hammer that, you know, we've talked about this before as well, that the players for the first time ever in these negotiations really actually have right. a strong firm hammer. One of them is the XFL coming next year, and the other, and, you know, Chris Milo tweeted it earlier today, um today being Monday, that you know, f- thanks to the pandemic, a lot of players have figured out how to live without football. Yes. Yeah. And so Absolutely. now they are they're willing to take the risk this time around because before it was always eventually the the league knew these guys are going to fold because they need the paycheck well yep. you know what they just want a whole year without football a lot of them yep some of them longer even because they maybe weren't in the cfl before the pandemic the pandemic hit they had nowhere to play and now they're here so these guys are pretty used to not playing football at this point quite frankly yeah so what's another few weeks or however long it takes? hopefully it doesn't take that long but you know what's you know What's the what's the issue here? Why you know why shouldn't we take this risk right now? If there's any time ever in the history of the CFLPA to really take a strong stand, this was it. And they get bonus points by adding the extra pressure point on the owners, which is their free money games are coming. Mm-hmm. Those preseason games, while generally a bore, and you know we you know the media kind of begrudges them, the fans are kind of not really that into them. It is a big revenue source for every team in every sport because. You don't pay the players in those games.
1: Right, right. And this isn't like the NHL where guys have huge signing bonuses and things like that. Like, again, outside a room board and making sure they're fed, mm-hmm. they ain't playing nothing for these guys, right? So, I and I'm with you, and I'm glad to see the players take a stand because I even thought the last time you and I covered this, when and, and I remember saying this to you, that I thought the players showing up without a CBA was a weak move.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, they 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 got kind of caught with their their booty out, I guess you could say, um, <laughs> by not
1: understanding the Alberta labor laws at the time. Right, right. And, the Alberta labor laws just basically mean you got to show up for a couple of days before you can go to go on strike. Yeah,
2: which is sort of you know sort of sidebar. Um, however long the next CBA is, the players should negotiate for to let's say you know instead of five years to forty years and eleven months, so it expires in August or sorry in April and right. all the players can go on strike at once. Maybe that would be a smart idea next time. Maybe.
1: <laughs> Probably. Instead, we have this weird, bizarre world where, yeah. you know, you're watching the Alberta media cover their teams. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you know, here it's like, yeah, nothing's happening. I mean, Murray and I'm Board... sure our
2: premier is not getting any ideas about
1: that. Oh, no. Don't. Oh, no. Don't bring him up. But speaking of the government, mm-hmm. um, I feel like, and this goes back to the players holding the hammer unlike even the last work stoppage Mm -hmm. you now have a brand new facility in winnipeg you have a brand new facility in regina you have a heavily renovated facility in edmonton you have a new facility in hamilton you have a renovated and part of a larger development thing in ottawa Mm -hmm. you have new owners in bc right so you You have calgary that wants a new stadium Right. And, and, and and a new rink for their the flames which they also own so you have a I guess still relatively new ownership in Montreal right yes I forgot that they 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 got away from from the old owners right so it's it's one of those things I feel like at some point like what the hell does Saskatchewan do if if because I you, and you and I discussed this last last time that I think if this season goes away the CFL is on its deathbed. But what the hell are you doing if you're a bag holder for the province of Saskatchewan with this beautiful, beautiful stadium and nothing to put in it? Right. We talked about, you know, at least like Tim Hortons Field, you got pro soccer, Ottawa, you got some pro soccer. The hell are you doing with Commonwealth? What are you doing with IGF? What are you doing with with Mosaic Stadium? Right. So I Hmm. think. The players are smart enough to know this, to know that, you know, you've got governments that are into these things for hundreds of millions of dollars and obviously putting pressure on it, right? So I I hope, like, I almost want to say, like, uh, to not phrase or curse this, I almost want to say this is going to be a long strike. I just, I just, I can't, I can't logically in my brain think of a way why, you know, where this goes on for, a full season a half season anything no. like that like it's just it seems like they're so close it seems like to quote one of my favorite lines for the league it seems like they're in the vinegar strokes of this thing
0: uh-huh.
1: i mean and another another good sign you and i were talking about that there's still rider players here in saskatoon like yes. if, if all hope was lost if they were so far apart i don't think you'd see them there was just a tweet right before we started recording dan clark tweeted out that uh there's there's a whole bunch of the guys at Ignite Athletics here in Saskatoon that are training.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, they, they held uh, the offense practice at you know the minor football field. The defense practiced uh, kind of by Griffith Stadium in one of sort of the empty fields a, around a, yeah, there. Yeah, there.
1: there's a soccer field right beside yeah. there. Yeah,
2: yeah. So they're out doing things and they're trying to keep in shape and all that, which is which is good. Um, of course, obviously for the PA, the other pressure point, um, you know, revenue sharing. Right. Um, they have an issue with, it, you know, basically not all revenues being tied to it or the whole thing basically not being audible, which is entirely understandable that, you know, only, only people that have something to hide would not agree to this because this is basically the standard across professional sports that have some kind of salary cap slash luxury tax system is that the, you know, the league and the players both sort of give their okay on it right? before, you know, any sort of announced cap increases are. So what are the owners trying to hide? I mean, that's that's basically what it comes down to with that, and they have an issue with the length of the deal as well, which I I can understand, but that's easily negotiable. It's really the two big things, which of course, health and safety, and sort of the way the revenue sharing works.
1: Right, and it's funny I forgot to mention this. I forgot to mention this to you before we came on air, but uh, this reminds me of the a uh, little bit of the National Lacrosse League lockout. Um, and it may not even be a bad thing, but. One of the things I've been told from my time being around the NLL is that the NLL teams, because of lower expenses, essentially using the same staff and everything like that, despite you know still charging you ten bucks a beer when you go to a game at the Saddle Dome, you know, it's ten bucks for a Labatt Blue, which is an import beer in Buffalo, New York. A lot of these teams that are owned by You know, the Calgary Roughnecks are owned by the same guys that own the Stampeders and the Flames, everything like that. The Buffalo Bandits are owned by the same guys that own the Buffalo Sabres. One thing I've been told over and over again is that those teams make a lot more money than you think they do. And I think maybe that's part of it that that, that, that they want to hide. You don't want to find out that... And I guess it's a little different because you're using different venues, but what if the dirty little secret came out that even with, you know, four people there, the Toronto Argonauts are finding a way to make money? Or the Calgary Stampeders are making more money than the Flames or the Roughnecks, right? So I see why they don't want to do it, and it's a damn shame that they don't. But again, this doesn't have to be public information. I don't think the PA is asking for this to be public information. As much as I would
2: appreciate it being public information, it's not going to be and it doesn't have to be.
1: But it's just... (sighs) you know, it, it seems like one of those things that you're so close to basically say, okay, your people talk to my people. I know, you know, the way the NHL does it, the NFL, everybody else does it. They basically, mm-hmm. you know, the PA hires their firm and the, the NFL hires their firm. and They look at the numbers and everybody goes, yeah, you got 50%. Yeah, okay, we're good. Let's move forward, right? Mm-hmm. And and realistically, the PA only in the CFL, they only want to do that if, if, if I'm not mistaken, Joel, was that only on like new and growth revenue streams or was that on the entire cap? Like, I don't think they're aiming to fix the Cap to revenues? Are
2: they? I'm not entirely sure. They they should be, quite frankly. But I I I don't know exactly where it goes. But if you know the league has talked a lot, and I know a lot of people put a lot of you know fault in Randy Ambrosi for saying these things, but he's just a mouthpiece for the owners, right? Um, you know the league has been saying a lot that they want to form a partnership with the players. Well, this is how you this is literally how you form a partnership with the players. So clearly, you do not actually want to do that. You want to put down your labor and you want to try and, you know, keep their costs as low as humanly possible without giving them access to what's actually going on. So sorry, you can't have it both ways. And it gets to sort of the comment, you know, that Dave Naylor said on TSN 1200 um, this week, or I guess today, Monday, Um, he was talking there, you know, talking sort of about what's going on with the strike and the whole thing. And he said uh, the quote here from on the CFL at CFL news here tweeted out, uh, pressure points are on the horizon coming for both sides. The league doesn't like, and this is the really fun part, the league doesn't like the PR hits they're taking. Actual <laughs> loss revenue that starts on Monday for a preseason game. Oh, you didn't like the PR hits you're taking, eh? Well, maybe you shouldn't have put out an actually, you know, a completely stupid, you know, PR stunt to try to get fans on your side with a deal that didn't make any sense whatsoever for the players rather than just, you know... Continuing to work on getting a deal done because I think everyone can see the groundwork is there. But you decided just to give up, thinking the players would fold again, and now you're just kind of sitting back, caught with your booty on the ground, not knowing what the heck to do next because you really <laughs> thought the players were going to fold and they didn't.
1: And they Good have job. no reason to. Yeah. Like that was the thing. Like I, I, it amazes me how the guys with all the money still managed to blunder all of the PR. Well, and this, this time. is
2: just, the, this you know, sort of another know, sort of another picture, another, you know, window into the guys running this league and the problems this league continues to have is because, and as Brett Lowther said, it's an old boys club and they, you know, they fully, you know, there's, you know, for lack of a better term, maybe it's not the right term, but there was sort of a degree of arrogance around the whole thing from their side right? and they got caught and now it's, you know, they need to be humbled and get back to the table and, you know, actually work with the PA to find a solution here because, you know, they don't, they're not looking to, you know, have a year-long strike to end the league forever because they want to get out. They are just... <laughs> they got beat. For the first time, you can say they got beat. Now, in the yeah. end, the owners always end up winning the long run. But in these negotiations, they finally got beat, at least in this one game. And now they need to, you know, sort of pull their pants back up and get back to work.
1: No, absolutely. And it's a damn shame. And this goes back to, you know, what I had said about the whole... You know, why on earth this whole best and final offer? We're walking away that has never worked in a, a, any labor negotiation, basically, in the history of ever.
2: I mean, you know, you, you say it sometimes, but you don't actually mean it. But clearly, for some reason, the league meant it.
1: <laughs> Which was dumb. Yeah. Which was so dumb. Like, get, get back together with the players. And, 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 and like I said, it seems like the players have that sense of, of optimism, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and And maybe they're just waiting to let their brothers in alberta go on strike and be a part of this for a little bit but 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 you're right like those free money games have way more impact than i think anybody knows and i think people are itching like uh, not to get into a greater COVID discussion but i know after having COVID myself and having it come through my house i was more Okay with going to events like I went to a rush game. I'm probably going to the Rattlers home opener. You know, I was looking forward to taking my kids to a football game this year, and sometimes the cheapest and easiest way to do that is the preseason, right? Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I think people are itching for it. Like our our ends Christmas party was on Saturday, and I stayed out till two in the morning. And anybody that knows me knows I am a peak early and go to bed early kind of guy. So. I think people are itching for it. And I think that's going to be a huge impact in how the owners aren't at the table. Like, I think they're doing themselves a disservice not being at the table trying to save these preseason games. Because logistically, how the hell do the, the Bombers and Riders play here in the coming days if you don't have an agreement basically tonight? Yeah, well, the, the report is if it's not done by Wednesday,
2: there won't be a game. And, I mean... Whether there should be a game in the opening week of training camp is another discussion for another day. Right. But as it currently stands, yeah, no, I I don't think that game on Monday should be played.
1: No, no, I I, I absolutely don't. I mean, you know, not a single veteran player is going to play that. It's going to be mistake-filled and messy and things like that. Although, I am eagerly awaiting the first call of my friend Derek Taylor doing a preseason game, and my lawn could... If, if, if the preseason game was still happening, I could probably wait to mow my lawn until Monday because I've spoken about my love of... Listening to CJOB and mm-hmm. uh, and mowing my lawn before, but uh, yeah, then I should probably mow my lawn tomorrow. But it's it's I, – I'm, I, I'm glad the players are making this stand. I'm glad they realize they have the hammer and uh, I just – the Fraser curse is so strong. I don't want to be optimistic, but I think that maybe I should be or maybe I should just say it's all doom and the sky is falling and the XFL needs to come over and then – suddenly realize I'm not Dave Naylor playing both sides. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean,
2: I, I think there's reason for optimism. It's uh, the, the ball's basically in the owner's cords at this point. We're going to learn a lot about them in the coming days. That's basically what it's going to come down to.
1: Right, right. And and I, I, I guess my only frustration, I'm proud of the players. I'm proud of everything they're doing. I think it's well-deserved. I think they should be doing it. I think my only frustration is, like, it's just – It's so close and it feels like something should get done. I just, I just want a normal season to the podcast. Like I just, I love general booty talk. (laughs) I do. I really love general booty talk. And I love the fact that you and I have somehow managed to basically do three quarters of the episode in this podcast life without there actually being any CFL. I just want some damn football to talk about Joel.